Bear Radio. You're listening to September 26. Some say that the German general election in September is the most important election this year. Germany's national elections are less than two months away. And when the polls are starting to come in, interesting polls. The CDU might have been Germany's leading party for over a decade, but recent polling suggests that this might be about to change. I'm intimidated, honestly. Hi everyone, this is Jill, and this is the second episode of the September 26 podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about how people in Germany actually vote. And I also have Julia, my producer, here in the room. Hello again. She'll pop in once in a while if she has an extra question. But today I'm here with Kai Wegerich, who is a professor at the Hertie School, Berlin School of Governance. Could you tell us a bit about your research fields at the Hertie School? Hi, hi Jill, hi everybody. Yeah, my name is Kai. I'm professor for public administration and uh, public policy. So my job as a teacher is to um, introduce students to the realities of bureaucracy, how organizations function, and that this is more interesting uh, than one might think. And as a researcher, I study uh, how government systems tried and often fail to adapt to new types of uh, policy challenges mm -hmm. by reforming their ways of, of working internally and also uh, externally, how they do policies, how they deliver uh, services. Maybe to start off, in the last episode, Claire said that Germany has a very high voter turnout, especially compared to other Western democracies. Has it always been like that historically? As a young guy, voting for the first couple of times was a no-brainer. There, mm -hmm. was, there was no cognitive or otherwise effort to consider if I vote or not. And I don't remember actually discussing that a lot with with my peers i mean uh, during that time at school i had basically what you might call political science uh, as a concentration and we talked a lot about political and economic and social issues but there was never a question about how can we motivate young people or others to vote and i think the the voting rates, the percentage numbers were very high comparatively up until uh, the 80s, late 80s. And all these issues we are discussing these days in Germany, Europe and worldwide about disengagement, about polarization, about frustration, were at least not impacting the number of people who would cast their vote. We had a lot of upheaval and political conflicts in the since the late 1960s in Germany and Europe and yeah in the US as well so it's what was not all peaceful and uh, ah the whole mm -hmm. family goes to to the voting station and and that's all nice there were a lot of intergenerational conf conflicts so i think my generation benefited from the previous one who did have that fight with their parents about the past and the Nazi past. And, and, and that was really shaping politics since the mid-1960s until the, the 80s. And when I was um, 18 in the late 1980s, these fights were fought and it was just normal, normal to vote. 
going over to the actual process of voting with a local election. How often does a local election happen? Do you vote for a mayor? Do you vote for a city council? Do you vote for different referendums? Traditionally, German elections have been following the principle of proportional representation. And that was the case for the local level as well. So you voted for party lists and direct candidates. There had been some early changes which tried to bridge the gap between voters and uh, candidates, uh, for example, where you could change the sequence of the party list by picking someone who is lower uh, mm -hmm. uh, on the list. And this still exists in some states and some lenders like Bavaria, for example. But the biggest change really is that uh, the local political and electoral system changed from a proportional representation to one which is more like a semi-presidential system mm. where you still vote for party lists when you vote for the local council and mm -hmm. these do usually happen every four and five years uh, or five years. There's variation between states because all states have their own constitution and how the local level, local governments are set up is a core part of that local constitution. So you have that variation, for example, with regards to the term of the local council, the size of the local council, um, the size of the municipalities and, and counties and uh, such like. But the biggest change really is that the direct election of the mayor was introduced, I think, since mid to late 1990s. And basically today, at least for municipalities, the mayor is directly elected by the population. So you vote uh, every four years for uh, the local council, and then every four, five, six, or eight years, and that's, uh, there's variation between, between states, you vote for the, for the mayor, who then became less of a party political figure because of that direct election, I would say. Are there ever examples where the city council is predominantly of a certain party or affiliation and the mayor is very staunchly of a different party affiliation and there's some clashing? So that does happen. And I think that that does happen quite frequently. But I'm not sure if the clashing is always happening. I think the idea of this constitutional reform was to strengthen the role of the mayor and to make him more independent as an executive leader. And the mayor has the executive to rely on on the local level. And a lot of the uh, job description of a mayor in Germany is actually implementation of state and federal laws and policies. So the executive at the local level is very, very important. But yes, you have more of a bargaining system between the council and the mayoral presidency institutionalized with mm. that type of system. Another interesting feature of that constitutional change is that you have recall systems as well. And again, there is a lot of variation between uh, individual states, but basically supermajorities of uh, local councils and also popular referendums can recall a mayor. So mayors have been kicked out mm. by popular initiatives, usually cases of gross misconduct. I think there was one case last year here in, in uh, Brandenburg, the state surrounding uh, Berlin. 
how often do people vote for lender elections and what is kind of the process of voting for a new leader in your land? Um, and also, how do people pick um, like representatives for their land as well? So lender in Germany are the federal states of this country mm. and they're called lender. In terms of the political system and the politics, the state lender level and the federal level are similar. So it's a, a proportional representation system which has an element of a majority voting built into it, but the proportional representation element is stronger and and more uh, important. We vote for our state parliaments. So at the state level, we only vote for uh, parliaments, and that happens every four years in most federal states, in some every five years. And again, that's a part of the state constitution where this is regulated. What you do when you vote in state and federal elections is that you cast two votes. One is for a party list, where kind of members are ranked and then get elected by the proportional representation system into the state parliament according to the share of the votes uh, cast for these parties. And then you have candidates for the districts mm. and the candidate who receives a, a simple majority ha receives a seat in the, in the parliament. And if there is a mismatch between the number of directly elected candidates and the percentage number that the party receives, then the system adjusts that uh, a bit to keep the proportional uh, representation in balance. So, for example, in Berlin, you had uh, Ströbele, who, who is uh, now not running again as a directly elected candidate for the Greens for ages in the district of Kreuzberg. So he was a very popular Green politician and he was repeatedly re-elected. And that's part of the logic of that system that you offer the opportunity to directly vote popular uh, candidates into the parliament. However, really, the uh, and that's kind of an irony and sometimes for new voters confusing, the second vote is more relevant. The party list vote is more relevant uh, because this is this is deciding how many how many seats uh, a party uh, gets um, in in parliament. And in the past, when we had a three-party and then four-party system, the logic was the following. So say you are a voter of the Greens or the Liberal Party, and these two parties had chances to get maybe 8 or 10% in a state or federal election. It doesn't make sense to cast your first vote for a candidate of the Liberals, Freie Demokraten, uh, when she or he has no chance to win. So you rather decide, okay, uh, do I like the Christian Democrat or the Social Democrat better uh, as a representative for this particular district, mm. right? So you cast a vote for the Liberals and your first vote, yeah, either for the Christian Democrats or or the social democrats yeah today this has changed right because we have a high number of parties we have the left party we have uh, the greens we have unfortunately uh, the extreme right alternative for deutschland afd 
and we have at least three parties now within a range, right? They are within the same same range. So today, if you're a voter of the Greens, it does make sense to cast your fo- first vote also for the candidate of the Greens because she has a good chance to get directly elected in Parliament. But overall, to simplify, second vote matters and you don't have to think that much about the first one. We hope you're enjoying this episode of September 26. If you or your company want to learn how to make a podcast or you want help making a podcast, the Bear Radio team offers a bunch of services to help you get there. Everything from workshops to consulting to full production. If you want to learn more about our services and the ways we can help you, head over to bearradio.org services. Historically, in Germany, at least post-reunification, what are some of the ways that chancellor candidates especially try to, you know, get the vote and get the vote out? Do they go and tour around the country? Do they try to go on different programs and gain the favor of the public? So uh, the chancellor candidate do all this. They go on a campaign trail. They are very present in the media. They are not only the posters uh, on the streets, but also advertisements in in the print media, and these days, of course, in the social media uh, as well. There will be, I think, two debates quite similar to the one we see in the U.S., but this time for the first time in history with three candidates. Mm. And there are normally also debates between the smaller parties. I don't know if they do it this year, but I but I expect uh, so. However, I think what is important to keep in mind for, in particular for a U.S. observer, is the incumbency advantage we usually have in Germany. So the uh, holder of the position, so the existing chancellor, how do you say that in better English? No, that's Uh, perfect. Yeah, Yeah. because we don't have the constitutional rule that a uh, chancellor can only be re-elected once because the chance is elected by parliament and not by the population, right? So there's a different system. And that gives a very different dynamic in terms of how the chancellor candidate is presenting herself or himself. So we have frequent re-elections of incumbent chancellors in their party. And the country is fairly conservative in the sense that it prefers stability to change. So Helmut Kohl was re-elected three times. Angela Merkel was re-elected three times. And I am hard-pressed to find an example where the incumbent office holder is not running for re-election. So this gives this very new dynamic to this election campaign Mm. where people say it's a boring campaign so far but I disagree with that because it's very fluid and quite unpredictable and we we don't know what happens. So what the candidates do in terms of their tactics is depending on the role of their party. So the Christian Democrat candidate, I mean, Lashid, he plays to the medium voter. So he has to be careful not to upset the more conservative voters and still be open enough to allow f- or not, not foreclose options for coalitions, for example, with the Greens. Uh, The tactics of the Social Democrats is fairly interesting. The Social Democrats are in government, in the governing coalition, 
many people say they have done a fairly good job, but get little credit for this. What uh, Olaf Scholz does this year is, because of the gender, you wouldn't believe it, but he's trying to imitate Angela Merkel. Mm. So he's he's trying to be the solid candidate. Yes, climate change, and we do a lot, but you know, slowly. While uh, the proposition of the Greens is really change. Yeah, and that's the way they pitch the campaigns, and you will see that in the election in the in the election campaign. So I'm quite I haven't studied the posters, but I'm quite and then the new will come out. The bigger ones with the candidates will come out in a couple of weeks, and I will I'm pretty sure that with the Social Democrats you will see Olaf Scholz a lot, and the party small. With the Greens, they, it will signal change, and with the Christian Democrats, it will signal even more stability at the at the policy level. How much does this campaigning actually matter at the end of the day? I don't think that these um, Wahlplakate. What is this in English? Like the lamp post, like oh, the like the posters. Yeah, the posters. I don't think they matter a lot i don't know it's, <laughs> it's part of a ritual right yeah and it's it's funny how these candidates look like sometimes kind of because these are the candidates for the districts right so they want to get directly elected and then you have the chancellor candidate the district candidates and then the party overall um, campaigns do matter mm-hmm. election campaigns do matter i do just have a question though as somebody who i speak German, but it's conversational. But in terms of, you know, you're saying things like go to the radio, go to television, it's very difficult for people like me who are native English, but I do have the right to vote to access this information, or at least I'm finding it that, you know, where, where can I go to find this in a, outside of this podcast where I can find this information um, and have it make sense to me and not be overwhelming. When I get that ballot in the mail, I'm telling you I'm going to have an anxiety attack <laughs> because there's just so much in it. You know, is there a guide we can find or something like that to look at and say, this is how you do it? So I think you're very right. And this is a very important point you raise because um, uh, this country is becoming more diverse. It's becoming more international. We have a lot of citizens who haven't been growing up in this country these days. And this comes with completely new challenges in terms of political education, in terms of the issues you, you mentioned, practical issues, but also getting a feel for, for the system, what is important and what is more bureaucratic decorum, right? These kind of um, sense you have when you grow up in a country. So the normal places where you learn about this is the school, yeah? So at some point when you're 15, turning 16, because you can vote in local elections when you're 16, uh, you will discuss that uh, in classes at school, how, how this works. So I don't think, or I do think that the system is not very trained in including citizens of that countries who have not been educated here at school. I think that's an omission. So yes, there are places you can go. There is the Bundeszentrale für politische Bildung uh, and they have uh, state branches. I'm sure they have an Instagram account now and they have a web page. But is that more accessible than, than other things that you have tried out? I don't think so. The parties themselves 
are not very open, I would say, because they are very much locally organized. So the youth organizations are more open and that could be something to consider, contacting a youth organization of a party and write them an email or DM them on, on Twitter or what, hey, uh, I have a voting right, I don't know how that works, please show me, yeah, give, uh, send me... Uh, pictures of the ballot. I'm scared. Yeah, but uh, you're right. These are kind of administrative burdens and hurdles that complicate things. And that goes back to what I said earlier. When you uh, kind of uh, go there for the first time with your father, mother, and brother or sister, then uh, this burden doesn't exist. And mm -hmm. with the society becoming more diverse and also possibly there's some disenchantment with politics more of an effort needs to be uh, made mm -hmm. so yeah i don't think we are doing a very good job in that respect but i think we are doing a good job in terms of the administrative hurdles or burdens for actually voting being non-existent because if you live here you have to have a anmeldung yeah so registration that's compulsory, and I think it feels strange for for people not being used to that system. But once you're in, you're in, right? And then you, you will get your letter. And, okay, it's in German, and it's not very long. It's just a one-pager or two-pager, and, 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 and uh, it's basically simple. This is your location. You Google map it, and then, and then you go there. But it will be in your neighborhood, Look, uh, most uh, likely a school or a daycare center in your in your neighborhood. Sometimes they are real pups. That can also be fun. Yeah. Oh, I'll vote. <laughs> <laughs> but you cannot choose where to vote, right? <laughs> so I haven't actually received my paper, the Wahlbenachrichtigung, I think it's called. Uh, I do have a friend who received one and she showed it to me. And essentially what it looks like is that you have on the one page saying, hey, Julia, you can go vote. This is where you can vote. And on the other side, you essentially fill out your information confirming that, yes, I am going to vote. And then there's also an option to choose, like, could you actually mail me the ballots? I'd like to do mail-in voting. Or And then I think there's another little extra bit that's like essentially the postal version of I'm not a robot I consent to this information or whatever yeah and I have a friend named Hendrik who lives in Brussels and instead of getting that one pager he just automatically received everything and it also included like a step-by-step -step guide on how to fill everything out and send it back yeah um Kai can you actually take us through what the ballot itself looks like yes so we're talking about different ballots yeah different pieces of paper. Mm. So you'll get one piece of paper for the federal elections, one for the Berlin state parliament elections, and then you get a ballot for the district council, and also uh, non-German EU citizens can vote for uh, the district council, and also the referendum on Deutsche Wohnen, yeah, and mm. Eignen. So, uh, what is Eignen? Nationalization of uh, of Deutsche Deutsche Wohnen, which is a big housing company here. Yeah. So these are separate votes. So what you do on Sunday, twenty six, you wait in line, unless you go there at eight thirty or nine or uh, five thirty. You when you go at eleven or two o'clock in the afternoon, you wait in line a little bit, 
and then someone will pass over the ballots to you and will explain to you where you cast your vote and where to put that afterwards. I think first when you enter, someone will check your Wahlbenachrichtigung, the notification of your uh, voting location and your ID. And even if you lose the voting notification, the ID is sufficient to cast the vote. So there is very limited administrative burden to it. Some uh, first person will check, second person will give you the ballot, another person will just monitor the movement in and out of these ballot boxes. So and then you go there uh, and then take your time to to look at these ballots and for the federal elections and for the uh, state parliament elections you have basically two columns. Uh, and the first columns is the first vote, which is for the candidate of the district. Yeah, and they are listed according to, I think, from which party the winner in the last elections is. So maybe Christian Democrats, maybe Social Democrats, maybe Greens. And then uh, you see the names of the candidates, like maybe Olaf Scholz in Potsdam, Annalena Baerbock in Potsdam, Armin Laschet somewhere in North Rhine-Westphalia, I assume. Uh, so that's the that's left column and the right column is the list is the name of the party with just the initial names of the candidates kind of top I don't know five or six names there and then you vote basically for uh, for the party and the second vote is more important and um, the same is true for uh, uh, the district elections in Berlin and the one on the referendum is is easier because it's just a yes or no you have to make sure that what yes or no means in a particular type of referendum you yes supports the initiative and no doesn't support the uh, the initiative so just to clarify if you are registered here in berlin you are not a german citizen but you're an eu citizen you will receive at least the one ballot with regards to your district elections. Yes, you will. Second part is you speak about, you know, going to a school or maybe even a bar uh, to do your voting. But I think especially during Corona, is it possible to do mail-in voting? And how would that work? Do you then have to register to be sent the ballots? So yeah, mail-in voting is possible and is fairly simple. And you also use the Wahlbenachrichtigung, so the notification of of your of your voting right. You don't get the ballot. No, That's but a, yeah, yeah. But then I think the uh, uh, the voting starts after we get that. the we get receive the notification, and from then you can go to uh, your district mayor's office, Bürgeramt, yeah. And cast the vote there. Right. And yeah, if you travel or if you don't know what you will do on, on the Sunday, uh, then you can do that and it's a convenient uh, option. However, if you're voting for the first time, I would recommend doing it uh, uh, on site uh, on Sunday just to see how, how the how the atmo, as we say in Germany, mm, yes. is. Yeah. What happens if you wake up Monday the 27th of of September and you realize you completely forgot to show up on election day is it just too late yes you can't vote after the polls close on September 26th at six o'clock 
p.m. Good yeah. to know for all of <laughs> yeah. those late late night partiers out there who might be at Bergheim on that Sunday. Just stay awake. <laughs> Just stay awake. Go straight from Bergheim to the polling station. Yes. Is Bergheim open again, right? I'm not actually <laughs> sure. I don't go there ever. Well, I really don't. <laughs> I have one last question. I mean, in the States last year, there was... The majority of the discussion around the elections was about voter fraud and how also mail-in voting is going to lead to voter fraud. Are there any really instances of voter fraud in Germany, given that your ID really is connected to your single ballot? Um, I followed the U.S. election very closely, and I thought that the system on site is is quite similar to the one in Germany. So you have poll workers, which are nonpartisan, and then you have partisan observers, and they kind of cross-check that this is fair. And um, I think in the U.S., the growing polarization leads to this contestation of some counts, and the volume of uh, mail-in voting was obviously very high because of the peak of the corona crisis last last year and this won't be the case uh, here no we don't have inst we have possibly instances of local voter uh, voter fraud right uh, which i'm not really aware of but at the national level uh, we don't have that the system is purely analog Mm. So there is there is no there is no electronic uh, electronics hangs hangs hacking involved and I'm quite happy about about this mm -hmm. and it's it's modern but uh, these days yeah I'm you can have issues <laughs> I think I'm I'm happy with the analog uh, system here and no there is no issue of voter fraud at any at any scale here. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> Something the United States is definitely still working on. Well, thank you so much, Kai, for all of that really helpful information. I've learned so much. Still can't vote. But I know this will be super useful to our listeners. Um, and yeah, thanks again. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. It was great to be with you. Thanks again to Kai for taking the time to speak with us. I learned so much during that episode. Thank you very much to Julia for helping to be my producer. Thank you to our content and production assistant, Alice. And as always, thank you so much to Pirate Studios and Epidemic Sound for helping to make this episode possible. If you want to know more about Deutsche Wohnen & Co. in Teignen, Julia and I actually produced an episode all about the referendum and the movement for a recent show we did called All Boats. You can check it out on bearradio.org. You can also head over to bearradio.org if you want to learn all about a bunch of amazing podcasts that are being produced in Berlin and if you want to know a bit more about us. Lastly, we have a PayPal account associated with the info at bearradio.org email address and it helps us a lot when you donate that like 50 cents that you were going to spend on coffee or something. Just give it to us. We need it. In the next episode, we'll be talking to William Noah Glucroft all about who can vote in Germany, and even if you can't vote, like myself, why all of this still matters to you. And I think it's trapped by its history to the extent that it is forsaking its present and ignoring or avoiding questions about its future by only focusing on its past. <laughs>